We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm Nick Serial. <clears throat> that guy over there, that's Jesse Styers. No Sean Styers tonight, because if everybody will check their calendars, they will notice that in T-minus 58 minutes, the Notre Dame women's basketball team will be tipping off. So, Sean Styers is busy. He's over at uh, Purcell Pavilion. That's a home game. And then <coughs> tomorrow, he will be traveling to stores Connecticut uh, with the women's basketball team because they play UConn on Saturday night. So we will not have a show tomorrow. Uh, so this is it. Ibanation Sports Talk. We're doing a little Thursday rapid fire with my main man, Jesse. Jesse Styers, how you doing today, sir? I am doing well, Vince. Today was an easy day at work. I got to head out a little Ooh. bit early. So that meant I was just dropping off a lot of like hard copies to one of the kind of local engineering offices. And that means I get to leave early because I got to make it there before they close. And they usually close before we close. But the downside of it is I was in such a, not a hurry, but I was so excited to leave work early that I left a couple key components in the office. So not too happy about that. You left your Stanley at the office. Is that what happened? <laughs> yeah, I left my Stanley at the office. No, I left my like USBs that plug in my mouse and my keyboard into uh... my laptop. And so while it doesn't um, seem vital for what I do, it's nice to have this keyboard that can work. But yes. now it doesn't. Now it doesn't work. And so now it's just a big old brick. Yeah, and I'm not going into the office on a Friday. You better believe that. And so, Ooh, look at my you getting all tomorrow off. No, I just um, – I work from home on Mondays and Fridays. Oh, and wow. so tomorrow, I the efficiency is going to be at an all-time low because, one, it's Friday, and, two, I don't have – I don't have the – my mouse or my keyboard's not going to be functioning how it's supposed to. So Yeah, you just need to put that someplace else because you're getting a little fidgety with your <laughs> keyboard over there, pal. Jeez. <laughs> but other than that, I'm doing great. I'm excited for this show because I think we're going to touch on a wide range. Yes, we of- are of sports topics and, yes. and this is IB nation sports talk. So if, y'all, if everyone is here thinking this is just a strictly Notre Dame show today, you are sadly, sadly mistaken. We're right. going to get through a lot of fun topics. We are. And we only had like six or seven topics to begin with. And it has ballooned 
to like 13 because it's just rapid fire today and we're just gonna go right down the list so without further ado let's just kick this thing off uh right here with some Notre Dame questions because it is a Notre Dame centered show so of course we're gonna talk some Notre Dame so I'm gonna throw it right up to you Notre Dame is adding a 30 year old walk-on kicker named Eric Gones Excuse me. He graduated from Citadel with one year of eligibility remaining and then went straight into the Army. So his eligibility stayed intact. He is now at Notre Dame getting his master's degree and figured, why not walk on to the football team? So buy or sell a 30-something on the Notre Dame football team, Jesse. Yeah, I buy this, Vince, just strictly because... You know, uh, it, it kind of feels like the Brandon Aubrey situation, right? You got this guy. He is coming back after being away from kicking for a while. A while. Um, yeah, his last season was 2015. Right. And so, you know, this is this is a 10-year gap, right? And so you have it. There's no such thing as too much depth, I think. And especially when you start talking about kickers, I don't think it's a bad thing to have a potential, you know, second option just in case things go wrong. And so the ta- it sounds like the talent is there, AKA Brandon Aubrey, but we just haven't seen him kick in, you know, X amount of years. So I think I, I definitely buy this. And it's kind of funny because this is the route that my dad took coming to coming out of high school as well. Granted, he wasn't, you know, able to play in college as a kicker, but he served in the army. And then when he was done, he went to the university of Kansas, right? So he was four years old. He's four years older than my mom for that reason, because when he was a freshman and she was a freshman, there's a four-year age gap. So I just think it's kind of cool that 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 this guy is going to be given an opportunity um, and gets to, one, get a master's from Notre Dame, and two, be like, oh, you know what? In my free time, I'm just going to go try to kick for the football team. So I love it. And, again, I think it's with kind of the revolving door that's been at the kicking position the last few seasons, I think it's great to have options. I don't know if there's been a revolving door at kicker. I don't know if that's actually accurate. I meant like the, the like it just feels like every year it's a new kicker. The last oh, few years. that's that's by design. They right. want it that right. way. Right. Yeah, they, they they have a they have a very regimented way that they're going. Like they're always going to get a transfer portal kicker who has established themselves elsewhere. And I guess frankly, this Eric Goins kid is kind of like a transfer portal kicker who has established himself elsewhere because he was a starter at the Citadel. Had some big kicks. I mean, his percentage isn't amazing, but he had, you know, he won a, a playoff game, I believe. You know, he did some some pretty good things down there at the Citadel and then went into the army for seven years. So I love the I love it from like a leadership standpoint. You know, obviously all these guys are gonna look up to him. They now have four kickers on the roster. They have four kickers on the roster, three of which are walk-ons, obviously. And so uh, it's always good to have options. It's always good to have, you know, guys that aren't going to be phased. And I would say that he would qualify as somebody who's probably not going to be phased by the moment uh, of being a kicker. So I, mean, I think this is pretty cool, frankly. So you're I, telling I, me I like if you it. can stand in the battlegrounds that you should be able to kick, uh, you know, some field goals here and there that the pressure isn't uh... – quite the same i would say that they would be much different yeah I, <laughs> I, you know and i don't know all about his history but i know i believe he did a couple tours you know overseas and did his thing and um but yeah i, I think kicking i don't know there's a lot of pressure kicking for notre dame though if he ever actually gets that opportunity i don't think that there's going to be like a a kicker competition or anything like that like mitch jeter 
is an outstanding kicker. I mean, it's an outstanding kicker. He's not going to get unseated by this kid. But and I say kid because he's 30 and I'm 43. So he's still a kid to me. Okay. But he, he's just, he's not going to get, he's going to be a depth piece. He's going to be a depth piece at kicker. Maybe he gets to kick off maybe every now and again or something like that. Um, but he, he's a depth piece. He's not going to be the starting kicker. Yeah. I like what you said there about the leadership thing. You know, just a guy that obviously comes with a much different perspective on life um, has been through obviously different experiences and I think that some of that humility at times for that locker room might be something. You know, I'm not going to sit up here and act like it's going to be the biggest deal and that this guy is going to be the leader of the locker room. But still a guy of that, you know, maturity and again, the, the, the humility, humility that he can provide to certain situations be like, listen, guys, like it's not the end of the world type situation. So just kind of excited to see where yeah. this kind of storyline goes. Sure. And, and, and like Jason Smith, it's a good story for game day. Yes, Absolutely. Um, and, and somebody said that, <laughs> yeah, what's the over under that this comes up on game day when, oh my gosh, <laughs> when game days in the answer or whatever, yes. Notre Dame game, the answer is yes. I mean, it's going to happen. There's no doubt about it. Right. And, and yes, I understand the definition of a revolving door is a different kicker every year, <laughs> but the, the way it was described revolving door makes it sound like they've got issues. Like they got to right. bring in a new guy every, it's not, this is what they want to do. I mean, that's, it, this is again, it's by design. So uh, I, I don't, it, this is, this is what Notre Dame wants to do. You know, they're not bringing in freshman kickers anymore. It's just not a thing. And they'll flat out tell you, tell you as much. Like, we're not going to do that anymore. We're not wasting a scholarship on a freshman that we have to develop. So, you know, they're just not doing it, but it's still, cool story. it's still a cool story. So, all right, <clears throat> there we go. I see. I got too many tabs open. That's the problem. I'm not used to all this, this, uh, pressure. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. 
That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. All right, next question. <laughs> After Notre Dame's 12-point loss to Miami last night, head coach Micah Shrewsbury only played six kids in the second half. He was asked if he gave any thought to putting some of the other guys back in the game, and his response was, quote, zero thought. This response is blank to you. This response is perfect to me because, again, after the Citadel game, Micah Shrewsbury made it very clear that it doesn't matter if you're the most talented guy on the team, the least talented guy on the team. He is going to play the guys who are going to play the right way, play with the right intensity, play, you know, with the right passion for the game. And these guys were able to come out in the second half and play the way that Micah Shrewsbury wanted. And Vince, I was scrolling through some Notre Dame basketball stuff in some free time today. Look at you. And I, yeah, I know, right? It was a crazy day. Notre Dame is 314th in adjusted adjusted offensive efficiency. That's bad. That's like one of the worst offensive teams in basketball, right? But they are 46th in adjusted defensive um, efficiency. So 314 in offense. 46 in defense. That gap is the biggest gap in college football. It's basic, or sorry, college basketball. You have essentially one of the worst offenses and one of the top tier defenses. And that defense right now is what is keeping Micah Shrewsbury and their teams in these games. It gives them an opportunity to win. Even when they're losing, they're not doing well offensively. They're not even averaging a point per trip down the court. Every possession, they are not averaging a point per trip. That's really bad. And so, if these guys don't want to buy into what Micah Shrewsbury is saying that they need to do in terms of effort and defense, then the hell with them because that is who is that is what is keeping them in these games, Vince. And so if you're, it, it, we all know their offense isn't going to be better this season. What they can control is their defense. And if right. those guys don't want to play defense, again, it, there's no room for you on the court if that's the case because the defense is quite literally what is keeping them in all of these games and allowing them to win some of these games that they probably shouldn't win. So. I love this. I love it, and I, I I can't say enough about what Micah Shrewsbury is doing in terms of establishing the culture that he wants amongst this nerdy men's basketball team. And I, I'm quite honestly jealous because as a Cowboys fan, this is what they need. There's no toughness culture on that Cowboys team. There's nothing – everything is earned on this nerdy men's basketball team, and I just love to see that. And it's going to pay off, right? I mean, it, it's going to pay off in the future you know these guys aren't good offensively they're not I mean you just had all the stats and and you're absolutely correct and you know Marcus Burton is leading all freshmen in the ACC in score and I think he's one of the top four or five freshmen in the country but that's because he has to be like he doesn't really have a choice right and when he's off the team's just not going to score and he was a little off last night you know I, I can't remember exactly what he ended he ended with 15 points uh which is right about his average a little low uh, but there were some key moments where he missed some shots or whatever. He's a freshman. It's not going to happen all the time. But his defense was excellent. The team's defense was excellent. And they just ran out of gas at the end of the game. 
<laughs> Excuse me. They ran out of gas. And the fact that Marcus, I mean, that that uh, Micah Shrewsbury is sticking to his guns, I love it. I absolutely love it because he is building a culture. He's not going to take shortcuts just to win the game. Because that yeah. game was that game was winnable. He's invested night. in the long term. Absolutely. And he's got enough support from the administration to be allowed to do that as well. And I think that means a lot too. You know, they're not saying, well, you need to go out and win, you know, X amount of games in order to be successful or whatever. That's not the case. Because this was a winnable game last night. And he stuck by his guns and they ended up losing the game because they were tired. I mean, six guys tired. You're gonna get dead leg. I mean, that's just what's gonna happen. And so he stuck to his guns. He is making it very clear that butt will meet bench if you're not doing it right. And I love that. It's going to pay off for him in dividends in the future. It's going to pay off huge for him in the future. And this team is fun to watch because of it, frankly. And uh, I, I, I just think that Micah Shrewsbury continues to prove that he was the right guy for the job. Continue, oh, I mean, just, you know what I mean? He just, he continues to prove it day in and day out. I, I know plenty of coaches that will compromise their soul for a W. You know, they'll yeah. play a kid who doesn't deserve it. You know, they'll, they'll allow a kid to break rules, you know, whatever. But as long as they win the game, that's all that matters. Michael Shrewsbury is not that guy, man. And I, I dig that about him. I really do. I really dig that about it's him. It's admirable. Absolutely. And it's, and it's, it makes him, and this program, easy to root for. and yeah, Even when they're not doing well. Right. And there were times with the last program where it was not easy to root for that group. And I didn't because I didn't like the way they did things behind closed doors. Right. So I it, this is a refreshing coach to root for for me. So I'm enjoying it. I really am. All right. Number three. Saturday night, Notre Dame women traveled to Storrs, Connecticut to play UConn. Amongst Notre Dame athletics, where does this rivalry rank for you? Notre Dame, UConn, women's basketball. Yeah, so this 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 rivalry ranks up there for me, Vince, because, you know, growing up as a kid, we moved to South Bend right after Notre Dame won their first national yeah, championship like right against after. Purdue. Yeah. And so we moved – I remember sitting in that, watching that game on the TV with my mom, sitting in Colorado as a youngin, because my dad moved to Indiana before us. And then we were doing, you know, taking care of everything in Colorado. And then we were going to, you know, meet with him, obviously, in South Bend. And when we came to South Bend, he was, you know, obviously continuously doing the Notre Dame women's basketball games. And so that meant that we, as a family, also would go to those women's basketball games. And every year, oh, yeah. Notre Dame played UConn and they played them twice a year because this is when they were both in the Big East. And, and most of the times they're going to play three times a year because they were going to meet in the Big East championship. Right. And so the, this rivalry grew for me early on because we went to a lot of games and, you know, a lot of seasons and every season you're playing UConn three times. And those were the two top programs in the country. Those games always meant something, right? Like you had a yep. good idea of where both programs stood after they played each other, right? Like it was, it was Notre Dame going to live up to UConn. Was UConn maybe having a down year, etc.? And so this rivalry, I, I put it up there. It, it rivals, you know, Notre Dame, Michigan in terms of football for me. 
Um, it rivals Notre Dame and St. John's when they used to play each other a lot in baseball and both teams were good. Um, it rivals Notre Dame and USC in terms of football. Um, it rivals, I, I think that's like it up there. Like it's gotta be in my top five, if not my top three. And I don't, I'm not putting those in any specific order, but it's up there it, and, it, and it means a lot And it. And I think a new era has kind of started after UConn has, you know, left the Big East and now Notre Dame is part of the ACC, they don't get to see each other as much. And now Muffet is gone. You know, it used to be like the Geno and Muffet kind of feud. And so it's it's maybe taken a step down as of recent. But again, when I was growing up, it was the game three times a year. And now it, it still carries the same weight, even though they don't get to play each other as much. Wasn't uh, Louisville Notre Dame baseball a big one? Wasn't it like a heated, hated rivalry? It's yeah, probably more of a question for your dad, but I I thought that, that one was a big one. That one in St. John's because Saint yeah. the, the St. John's coach and Paul Maneri did not get a basically if Paul didn't get along with another coach that fair was, enough. <laughs> but Paul didn't get along with people for no reason. It was usually right. <laughs> because of something specific. Fair enough. No, that's fair enough. And I don't know the other sports at Notre Dame well enough to know like what their big rivalries are. So, right. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, Marquette, Notre Dame basketball, I know is a big one, you know, things like that. But I don't, you know, people say UCLA, Notre Dame, that's not a rivalry. It just so happened Notre Dame snapped their streak 50 years ago. Like, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't call that a rivalry. I would just call that we get to talk about Digger every time they play. Like that's all that one is. Um, but you know, you you you'd have your football rivalries, right? Notre Dame, USC, Notre Dame, Michigan, Notre Dame, Navy. You know that kind of a thing. Um, and so you know, maybe like Notre Dame, Duke, and lacrosse. There Joe just brought that one up. Uh, I thought that was a good one. Notre Dame, Virginia. Notre Dame, Duke, and lacrosse. Okay, Father David. You know, those are all big ones. Obviously, we were introduced to the Notre Dame Duke rivalry as a nation because of the of last year and the run that they made and all of that. So, um, but no, Notre Dame women basketball and UConn is top three for me, no matter what sport you're talking about in Notre Dame. I and mean, that's it was the best of the best, two of the best all time coaches going at each other. Now it's like elder abuse if Notre Dame goes in there and beats Geno. Uh, because I think it's probably time for him to step down. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I I obviously I'll be rooting for Notre Dame going in there, hostile environment. The one thing UConn does do a very, very good job of, though, is they pack that house, man, especially, yes, when, Notre Dame, especially when Notre Dame comes talking or comes to town. So that should be a really cool, very cool environment and a very cool atmosphere to call a game. So a little jealous of our boy, Sean Stiers, uh, who actually – is in this next question, Jesse. I was going to say it rolls nicely into this next one. See how we did that? It was a, it was just a nice little segue. <laughs> so Gus Johnson, Mr. Maserati Marv himself, will be calling the Notre Dame UConn game. <coughs> Excuse me, on Fox. When's the last time you heard Gus Johnson call a women's basketball game, and does it heighten the game for you? Finally, are you more <laughs> likely to listen to Gus? Or the great Sean Styers on the call? This is a loaded question, a three-parter. It is a loaded question. So, Gus Johnson, I don't, I can't recall the last time he's done a women's basketball game. And, you know, that is partially just because I don't really follow enough women's basketball outside of Notre Dame women's basketball. Sure. So, I can't really tell you 
you know, what, but it, it feels like a big deal if Gus Johnson is showing up to a women's basketball game and they're putting it in prime time on Fox on a Saturday. Right. And yeah. so I think it, 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 it's a, it's a pretty big deal when you can get him uh, in the arena. And so um, I, I do think for that reason, it does add, you know, to the hype of the game. I, I think it's, it is very clear that the networks want to, to bring as much attention to this rivalry matchup between two of the, you know, you could argue that UConn, Tennessee, Notre Dame, and like South Carolina are the top four teams in women's basketball over the last two decades, right? And so when you have two of them in the same gym, you add Gus Johnson, it's going to be on Fox. I think it adds tremendous value to this game. It, it brings sure. it more to the national spotlight. And then kind of the final part of this question, am I more likely to listen to Gus or, or my dad? I got to go. I got to go with pops. I'll, I'll turn the game on Thank TV. You. I'll be able to watch it. I'll sync it up with the, the radio call yeah. and I'll just mute it. And so I get the best of both worlds when I can do it that way. I, I think that in terms of, you know, I have more interest in listening to the guy that's been there every game compared to Gus Johnson, who's reading the cliff notes and stepping in, to probably do his first game of the season. So not, that's nothing against Gus. He's great at what he does. I just want the guy that's been around for every game. Well, and he, I guess he does some select Big Ten games and things like that. I was just kind of Googling Gus Johnson and women's basketball, and he's got some Caitlin Clark, you know, quotes out there and things like that. No surprise, he's sensationalized those quotes as well. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it's a no-brainer. Of course you're going to go with Sean Styers. He actually knows the team. He knows what to expect. That's the kind of in inside info that you want when you're listening to a game. So, of course, you're going to go with Sean Styers. And I still say, and I will back up my point here, that Notre Dame doesn't use Sean Styers' audio enough or ever over the highlights for Notre Dame women's basketball. What are they thinking? Some of these people that they have doing games on the TV side of things are terrible. They are terrible. <laughs> And yet they're the ones with the audio on Notre Dame's highlights. It just makes no sense to me. Makes no sense. So that's the that's the limb I'm willing to die on. And I'm going to start. I've done it a couple of times, but I'm going to start just commenting on every single little post. <laughs> I'm going to be coming. Hey, back you know guy. Sean Styers would give a better call than this. I'm just saying. I'm putting it out there from now on. So, and I never see. I, I can't wait. What I want to see. They, always, they show like videos of them like boarding the plane and stuff like this. I want to see Sean Styers getting up on the charter plane, <laughs> you know, walking behind the team. That's that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see. I, I never get to see any uh, any clips of the Styers man. You want to see him carrying his Louis Vuitton luggage on the plane? That's and right. His, his bringing his Louis nice, his sub his little sub to go as he's getting on the plane. That's right. I'm bringing my. He's bringing his Louis and he's getting on the plane, <laughs> traveling in style. So that's what I want to see. All right. I'll, I'll even stop knocking him for not using his calls. If I get to see him board, the board plane. that plane. Yeah. That's what I want to see. So. <laughs> All right. Let's spread our wings here a little bit, Jesse. Let's talk a little NFL. All right. So with two jobs now still open in the NFL, we got commanders and Seahawks. So on a scale of one to 10, what are the chances that the future Hall of Famer, Bill Belichick, 
is unemployed for the 24 season. Yeah. So one being, I think absolutely unemployed and two, he's going to be, you know, employed and basically hired tomorrow. I got to put this around a two or a three events. I think uh, if the, if the, if the Raheem Morris news didn't break right before the show, who the, the Falcons just hired as their head coach, I would have probably been at a five or six. I think that was his best potential landing spot. Yeah. To be honest with you, I don't think he's in for kind of the roster rebuild that the commanders need. And I think the Seahawks roster is in better shape, but they still have a lot of question marks. They don't really have like Geno Smith. I, I don't think yeah. he's a lock at your quarterback. Right. Is he your um, franchise th- guy that you want to th- build around? Right. I think they have a, a solid core of wide receivers. Um, and then defensively, they're just not quite the same as they used to be. And I honestly think Dan Quinn is ultimately going to become the Seahawks head coach. He was their defensive coordinator during the Legion of Boom, you know, under Pete Carroll when they when they won those when they won a Super Bowl and went to another Super Bowl. That was under Dan Quinn's defense. I think he fits Seattle. He's been to Seattle. Ownership knows Dan Quinn. I think that's where he's ultimately going to land. And so again, I thought that Atlanta position was his best shot. And after again, after Raheem Morris got hired, I got to put this about a two or a three. I think he's going to be unemployed going into next season. Right. I think he's going to be unemployed as a coach. I should have been more specific, but I think that's where you were going with that anyway. Correct. Um, I just, he hasn't been interviewed by either team to my knowledge. And he had two interviews with the Falcons and they said, yeah, we're good. (laughs) Which is kind of surprising. I mean, really Raheem Morris apparently is a better catch. I was really surprised by, by the Raheem Morris hired to be honest with you Vince because Raheem Morris was a defensive coordinator and the Falcons struggles come offensively they have all these pieces right. Kyle Pitts Desmond Ritter Bijan Robinson I think maybe I can't remember if Calvin, Calvin Ridley was still there I think he got traded but still you're bringing in a defensive guy yeah. to figure out their offensive struggles I don't I don't know that personally I don't know <laughs> yeah I mean he he may be employed he'll sit behind a desk or whatever collect somewhat of a paycheck you know but I think his chances of being coach, I'm putting it at one, the the lowest you could possibly put it. I just, unless something changes in the next couple of days, uh, you know, Adam Schefter says that they're not going to hire anybody till next week after the championship games. But okay, I still don't know that that plays in favor of Bill Belichick, right? So uh, that's not looking good for him. So, and he obviously still wants to coach. Otherwise, he wouldn't have interviewed twice in Atlanta. Right. Places, you know, so... It's just very interesting that all of these jobs are passing on Bill Belichick, of all people. He, it proves he's an acquired taste. Let's just put it that way. I, I'm, and the, the thing that I, I think the thing that is ultimately shooting himself as the foot is, you know, he he's he clearly went into these interviews with the language of, I kind of want 50% of the, 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 the foundation to be there, right? Like I don't want right. to have to rebuild it myself. And I just don't know how appealing that is to an NFL team to be like, yes, we are going to put all of our chips behind you. All of our players mm-hmm. are going to buy in. I just feel yeah. like that's not the right rhetoric going into some of these positions of, oh, you know, like I'll work hard, but I kind of right. want, you know, half of the, again, half of the, the foundation or the structure to kind of already be in place. So I feel right. like that's coming back to hurt him, honestly. It's going to be – I mean, you know, it's Bill's way or the highway, and there's not a lot of GMs and owners that want to give up that kind of control either. So, you know, 
we'll see what happens. He's also in his 70s, so you know that's part of it too. Mm-hmm. All right, sticking with the NFL, the Bengals needing to replace their offensive coordinator now that he's the head coach of the Titans, I do believe, yes. earlier this week. That means every single team in the NFL has changed their offensive coordinator since the 22 offseason, and that's blank to you. That's insane to me, Vince, because it just shows the constant changing landscape in the sport of football. And it's not its not only the NFL. I think it's heightened in the NFL, but it's also, you know, you see it at the college level. And I honestly didn't believe it if, you know, when I read that, I didn't believe that that was true. Like, I was like, yeah. Really? And so then I started Googling, Googling, and I was like halfway through and I was like, all right, I guess I'll take their word for it at this point because no one, you know, after going halfway through, I haven't been proven wrong yet, but it's just insane to me. And I think it's also just shows the constant evolution of football, especially on the offensive side of the ball. There's always some new innovative way to get guys open in space to, you know, move your offense around to show one thing, to do another and I, I just feel like it's a copycat league. And once you get found out, it's hard to kind of come back from because once the answers are there, it spreads like wildfire. Everyone's going to be using that same template of how to slow down um, your offense. And so I guess I I don't feel as bad <laughs> that, you know, Notre Dame, um, the Cowboys, they, they've also gone through a lot of offensive – not gone through, but have had – you know, a multitude of different offensive coordinators over the past few seasons. And and it's just not a localized problem. It's kind of a, you know, a more global problem, I guess. Well, and I think that's it. It's, it's the, what have you done for me lately? Kind of a situation, right? Correct. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, instant gratification from these owners and these GMs. And it's like, if you don't have the instant gratification, then they're going to move on from you. Or if you do have that instant gratification, you're going to get a head coaching job. Like that's, and you're just not going to stick around as an offensive coordinator anywhere. So I don't know. It, it's that that's kind of more what it says to me. It's like these these GMs and these owners, they just they want it right now and they want the results yesterday. Like that's what they want. And if they don't get it, they're going to move on to somebody else. And there's so many guys getting opportunities now as offensive coordinators. It's it's unbelievable. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then you've got these guys now getting these opportunities as head coaches. They just look like babies. They're just so young. And I think oh. that's the other thing that this is showing too is that the youth in the NFL, because it feels like all of these OCs are being replaced by someone younger in the new innovative way and the new yeah. wave of offense and everything like that. I feel like the median age for offensive coordinators, head coaching is, is rapidly declining. And like you said, it's the instant gratification that, these right. GMs and owners want the new bright and shiny thing, you know, with all the bells and whistles and these right. explosive fast paced offenses, et cetera. And I think that's, that's why you're honestly seeing this. Yes, absolutely. Everything's got to be right now, right now, right now. Otherwise it's just not good enough, you know, and the right now guys are getting the head coaching jobs too. I mean, <laughs> the kid from Tampa Bay was an offensive coordinator for one season and now he's a head coach. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Mind blown. How does that like these guys don't even have to put their time in anymore? It I mean it's it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And but if you put yourself in their shoes, why would they not take it? Why would you not take the opportunity to be a head coach? Yeah, and make some life-changing money for three years. You know, I mean, whether you're a success or not, you're gonna make a bunch of money. 
And guess what? You'll probably get recycled back to being a coordinator again. That's what I mean. Once you're in that NFL circle, I feel like you right. just, <laughs> as bad as this sounds, you kind of mm-hmm. just keep get passed around to everyone. You're right? not wrong. That's exactly like- what it is. <laughs> and yet again, uh, another nice little uh, segue here. I'm going to skip down to number eight. Former Notre Dame offensive coordinator Tommy Reese is set to make his NFL debut by being hired by the Browns as their next tight ends coach. So what do you think of this move now that Tommy Reese wants to get in on that circle? Jesse Styers, like that's what it's all about. Wants to get on the carousel. Yeah, I think this is a great move for Tommy Reese. And I think ever since he became the OC at Notre Dame, this is kind of the trajectory I saw him in, right? Like, and everyone was like, oh, why would you, you know, go to Alabama just to be an OC? It it was to get that foot in the door into the NFL because so many of Nick Saban offensive coordinators when you're done there or your time is up at Alabama you can essentially go wherever you want do you want to become you know a head coach in the in college do you want to become a coordinator in the NFL and I think that Tommy Reese very strategically set his next move up and now he's finally gotten his foot into the into the door of his ultimate goal you know I think he wants to be an offensive coordinator in the NFL and how do you do that well you start with being an effective tight ends coach right and I, I think it's it, it, it'll only be a matter of time before we see Tommy Reese in this cycle as an NFL offensive coordinator. And we're going to see Tommy Reese's name within the NFL for a good while now. Because like we just said, once you've proven yourself and you get that opportunity, even if you fail after three or four years, you're just going to get passed to the next team and the next team and the next team and the next team. And then I think eventually we'll see Tommy Reese become a head coach in this league, I think he's got enough of a, a, a brilliant offensive mind that he will have his success and he will get his opportunity as a head coach in the NFL. I don't know if that's going to be in five years or in 10 years, but I think he's going to ultimately become a head coach at some point. Yeah, 100%. And going, jumping it, like I said, he's getting on the carousel. And so now he's going to start getting passed around for all these different things. Look, he, he is doing the smartest thing possible. We've all thought that he wanted to be in the NFL. This is where he is now. I think he's going to be very, very happy there. And he's going to make a lot of money being in the NFL. So I I think it's really fun too, Vince, because, you know, he's just following me around. I was a Notre Dame fan before he was at Notre Dame. I lived in Cleveland before he was in Cleveland. So I might have to go catch a few games now, especially if he gets promoted to offensive coordinator at some point for the Browns. I just think that's cool. Like I would love to go see how this offense – you know, next season, not so much, right? He'll have influence because he is an offensive or used to be an offensive coordinator. I'm sure he'll be involved in game planning and et cetera. But if he becomes the actual OC for the Browns, that's just more fun for me. I would like to, I would be more inclined to go see some Browns games if that means getting to watch a Tommy Reese led offense out there on Sundays. Fun fact Tommy Reese is one year older than Notre Dame's backup kicker. <laughs> Just throwing it out there. Put that into perspective. Just throwing it out there. Maybe Tommy right. will hire me as like an offensive. Uh, I think you should give. Him, I think you should give him a call. Welcome him to town. Yeah, you know, hey. offer to take him out for a beer. You want to know some nice spots? Just saying. I can analyze right. some film for you. Look for some tendencies. Let me get you his. You number. let me know. Let me get, let me get you his number. I have you reach out. Be like, hey, Tommy, welcome to town. Just want to take you out to a couple different spots, a couple watering holes. And, uh, you know, just kind of treat you, 
You know, buy him a buy him a beverage. Just buy yeah. him a beverage. Welcome him to town. Heard you have a significant other. Here's some nice spots if you'd like to. You know, have a nice romantic evening. It's all, oh, a double date? Yeah, sounds great. I mean, do it. <laughs> I believe he's single and ready to mingle. I, I, I'm pretty sure. So you can, you know, there you go, man. His his destiny is in your hands. Okay, I think so it's in your hands. All right, let's uh, we'll go back up to the next one. There's a report that former LSU wide receiver Kayshawn Booty bet on LSU games while playing. So with all the legal gambling going on, do you buy or sell players betting on their teams to win? So while they're being active, betting on their teams to win, which obviously this whole Kayshawn Booty thing is bigger than this. It just led to the question of how do you feel about players betting on their own team to win? His whole thing is <laughs> a much bigger deal than that. Like there's, I think there's a worn out for his arrest. Like he's, he's, gone down a bad rabbit hole but what do you think about players betting on their own teams to win not to lose like point shaving but to win yeah so when we're talking just straight up win or loss and if you are betting on yourself to win i honestly don't have any inkling and or, or sorry i don't have any bad thoughts about that exactly because you you yourself are contributing to that win if you're saying spread or losing or unders, that is something you have very, very good control over. You can drop a pass. You Absolutely. can run the wrong route. You can you can do so many things to affect the spread, the under. But when we're talking about just winning, you are betting on yourself. You are betting on your teammates, your performance to go out there and win. So I personally, I don't have anything going on or you know, in terms of winning. But when we're talking about maybe taking the under on receiving yards or right, right. You know, the spread. That's when I have, you know, some issues. But I mean, this this Kayshawn guy, Vince. I was going oh, through the warrant. He's in this trouble. man has rep has reportedly placed just south of nine thousand wagers, totaling several hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right, and then I started looking at the 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 numbers. He roughly deposited one hundred and thirty two thousand dollars into his account. He reportedly. Won $556,000, so nearly winning about $450,000, but he only withdrew $50,000 of that money. So it, it sounds like he was cycling his bets yeah. back into it and losing, but he still won $50,000 at the end of the day and placed over 9,000 bets. And I thought the most funny part was his account names were just his name. There was no trying to hide nope. who he was or what he was doing. And that's the crazy part to me is why not use a burner account on your buddy's phone or, you know, some stupid Alabama player's name instead of your own name at LSU. I just think it's so crazy that these guys think that they can make 9,000 bets and have a username that is literally their name and it's never going to come back to them. That's the crazy part to me. It's hilarious. I mean, it's hilarious. That's the bottom line. It's hilarious. And, you know, they because they think they're above the law and all that stuff. And that, okay, fine. That's whatever. But <clears throat> when it comes to this particular question, I have no problem with, with kids betting on themselves and betting on their team in a positive way. Like, hey, we're going to go out and win, and I'm going to bet on us to win. I, what's wrong? I don't understand. I honestly don't understand what's wrong with that. Now, it's a slippery slope. And get yourself in thing. trouble. That, and I get that. I, I get that part of it. 
but like in a perfect world, you should be allowed to bet on yourself to win. That 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 that's how I feel. But then you get into point shaving and stat shaving and you know all of these other different things that can get you into a hell of a lot of trouble, which clearly it has for this guy. So <clears throat> and sloppy Joe saying he was underage. So there you go. That that's obviously also a bit of an issue there. So thank goodness legalized gambling didn't come out until after I was over 21, at least <laughs> on my phone. <clears throat> that's a good thing, frankly. Uh, so I never, never had that temptation. So, and obviously never played at a high enough level that anybody cared to bet with me on anything. So have you ever been tempted to bet on youth sports, Jesse? Um, no. Let's say the farthest I ventured out was like tennis. Nice. I mainly stick to college football, NFL, yeah, NBA, and the Cubs. I stick to the Cubs a lot. I made it. I, the Cubs is. I was explaining this to a friend. The baseball season is so long. Yes. That if you are a de- right, if you are a dedicated fan. And I'm 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 not saying I'm like a hundred percent the the you know the best fan in the world, but I I watched a lot of those games last yeah. year, and so even to the point where I bought the MLB pass so I could watch them nice. every game, right? And so what I'm getting at here is when you watch them for eighty games, you can build up a good tendency of you know this is I, you can kind of expect things to happen. Sure. And I found that that's when I'm the most successful at it because I can not predict, but I'm giving myself a better chance. Sure. Because I've saturated myself with so many of their games with and, and when you have the rotation set up like these guys, you know, you you know what to expect against certain lineups and things like that. So yep. that's yep. where I've had the most success is, is the team that I, I invest the most time in, essentially. And you've had some success, Jesse Tires. <laughs> You're not yes. afraid to ring the bell, so I'm impressed by that. Hey, I, I hit a nice $600 bet on the NFL this last weekend. Look at you. See, I, I've gotten gun-shy, man. I've lost so much lately <laughs> that I'm just so gun-shy. But I only really bet on baseball. Like, basketball like was way too nerve-wracking for me because it always came down to, like, free throws at the end. Like, it always seemed – and I'm, like, living and dying on these kids – shooting free throws i was like (laughs) i can't do this anymore i can't do it so (laughs) football was my thing for a long time and notre dame frankly let me down a bunch this year notre dame screwed me a lot this notre dame was always my lock like i because just what you said us being locked into what notre dame is doing on a day-to-day basis and all that stuff like notre dame was my lock to make money you know, a lot of times it was like over-unders it was spreads it was you know money lines that kind of stuff they screwed me two ways from Sunday all the time. And so it's like, you know what? Maybe I'm just going to take a break for a while before you know, I was crazy, literally man. zero. I use an app and it tracks all of your sports betting for you. So it gives you your all-time okay. record, your all-time wins and wow. losses. It's pretty nice. It's got everything all synced up to it, right? And I don't know if you're a Spotify guy or Apple Music guy or – you know, a lot of these services will give you what's called like your year recap, yeah, right? Right, and like oh, your most listened to song of the year, or right. like your photo, your photo album will create like a photo, a, a video montage of all of your pictures right. for the year, right? And so this app called Picket 
they gave me a year recap. And one of the slides was so close yet so far. Oh. And it told me how many bets I lost off of one par- a parlay yeah. and only one leg losing, right? I had like 400 parlays that lost by one leg. And then they took it a step further and said, this is how much money you would have won had those parlays hit. $75,000, Vince, that I missed out on because of one leg not hitting on all of these different parlays. I know. It's like, that's the last thing I want to hear. Oh, that is about And you're telling me you want me to come back for more tomorrow? Right. And you do. I do. Yeah, exactly. You're not wrong. (laughs) Yeah, that's exactly right. Boy, that is one of the most depressing things I've ever heard. (laughs) <laughs> holy cow and because that's what's frustrating because i i i do enjoy building those legs those both parlays so that you have bigger odds right of course the bigger the odds the more of a chance you have of losing and more often than not i lose and so yeah that that's always the fun part is is the parlays and all that and i always end up losing by like one leg and it's so depressing <laughs> so depressing stymie i i i have thought about the round robin technique you're not wrong but the thing about round robin is what round robin does vince is if you take like five bets that you like it parlays it as many times as possible so it create like as many two leg parlays as possible so even if your one leg doesn't hit you still have all these other chance okay right but the thing is is it it, it's it's instead of putting fifty dollars on one bet you're putting ten dollars on five different bets and so to me i'm a big boot like bang for buck kind of guy yeah i like yeah, the yeah. big seven plus 700 odds and yes. not just the, the the mini you know plus 100 odds that you might get to i'm i'm big boom for bus kind of guy and yeah, so me too. me too you know yeah i can't help you. myself <laughs> all right we got a few more questions to get to before we uh shuffle off into the you know off shuffle off to buffalo or right, they're out now we can't shuffle off there all right uh multiple choice this is a new one for rapid fire. Multiple choice. So the junior day pictures at Notre Dame are surfacing with the recruits. They're, they're, they're getting sent out by Notre Dame to the recruits. The recruits are now publishing them you know, on social media. So which uniform pairing do you like the best that were shown during these junior day pictures? A, the white on white, the icy whites. B, the green jerseys with the white pants or C just the traditional old school Notre Dame look. All right. So I'm kicking out traditional. Okay. You know, that's got to go. It's been here for years. Mm. That's not any fun. It's great. I mean, I don't have a problem with it. There's nothing wrong with it. Right. But we all need a little variety in life. Yes. Right. Agreed. That would be and my so thing. it comes down to white on white and green on white. I'm usually not a monochromatic guy unless it's white on white. There's something about the white pants, the white Mm. uniforms, the white spats, the white gloves, the white leggings, the white bicep bands, the everything white. Give me everything. That's the only time I will go monochromatic. I think it looks clean. And I love at the end of the day, you see how hard you're working. You can see who's out there putting in that effort, right? And so it is a very close call, but I just love that green so much. And now if it was mm-hmm. green on green, I would say no go. But since they got the white pants in there, yeah, I'm all in on it, right? Okay. And so I got to go 1A, green with white, 
one B, white on white, and then like number five, the traditionals. Okay. I, I, I dig that. I would just reverse the white on white for me is just I, I, I just love that so so much. I, I they need that needs to be at least one road game a year. Yes. And they bust those out. I mean, it just has to be. It just has, it has to, to be. be. I mean, you can't tease us with those and then, and then never wear them again. You can't do it. You can't do it. Now, I will also say I was not a huge fan of the green on green on green on green that they had for the green out. I would have much rather had the green on white. No doubt about it. And the green on white is just such a sexier look than the, with the green pants. Yes. This See, so you agree. Better. You it's agree. So much better. Yes, if I do. Green oh, on I green, absolutely do. Be number two, but green yeah, on white. I, but the white on white far surpasses the green on green. Oh, like, yes. Oh, not yes. even close. So not for me, close. 1A is white on white. 1B is green on white. And then you got your traditionals underneath that. Yeah. I still love the traditional Notre Dame look. Four traditionals. I, not, I don't. I don't want them to get out of there. I, I don't. I love the traditional navy on gold and in all of. It. I do. But man, that white on white is just <laughs> so good. Vince, so could good. you imagine? I just imagine this: white on white, some green accent. Mm. I'd want like you couldn't beat it in my opinion. Right. You take the the ND logo. You make that green. Yeah, right? like I don't want stripes. I don't no. want stripes on the pants. That does. I'm. I am not a stripe on the pant guy at all. I, I like just the clean look from the pants. So, I you know I'm sorry, and it is not an imitation of Penn State. <laughs> and you want to know? <clears throat> you want to know why? Because Penn State doesn't have the best lid in college football. That's correct. Which sets it all apart. I think nothing so, – you can't go wrong when you have the best lid that's right. in the whole game. That's all I'm saying. Anything can look good when you got that lid. That's all I'm saying. So the white on white with the gold lid, sexy. <laughs> Vince might have to step away for a second. No, I have to, give me a second. <laughs> all right. Let's talk a little uh, – just for fun, let's talk a little Baseball Hall of Fame. So three guys were – Elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame uh, this past week, two of which are Joe Maurer and Todd Helton. Both of them were multi-sport athletes at a high level, with Maurer winning the National Gatorade Player of the Year in 2001 in football, and Todd Helton starting over Peyton Manning at quarterback while at Tennessee. So do you buy or sell that they made the right decision <laughs> to go into pro baseball? Yeah, I think that these guys uh, solidified that they uh, made the right decision by go not only being a professional baseball player, but being at in the top like one percent by making it to the to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Right? right. I think that the bigger question becomes, why do people still think they need to specialize? And not people. Why do young athletes absolutely think that they need to specialize or focus on these one sports? When you got proven examples of Hall of Famers, right? Like not playing at a was, high level in high school, right? And college, for that matter. And Maurer was a tremendous basketball player too. Average over twenty points a game. And so, I think that these these kids need to realize that it's more impressive when you have the athleticism to be a dominant football mm -hmm. player, a dominant baseball player, a dominant basketball Absolutely. player. Because you know what that means when these guys, when these when these coaches come to recruit you. It just your full athleticism is yep. on display. You are not funneled down 
into right. this one specific thing that you can do, you are now versatile. You could maybe be a safety. You could maybe be a, an undersized linebacker. You know, it, depending on what it might be, when you are able to play these multiple sports, it just diversifies your portfolio Absolutely. as a young athlete that is trying to get into college athletics. And so I, I when I when I was, you know, I found this out, I loved it because again, I think that it, it just shows that these guys are it's like Patrick Mahomes, right? Like Patrick Mahomes was a great basketball player, he was a tremendous baseball pitcher. And I just think that's the path that these kids should be focused on is how can I be an athlete, right? right. How can I how can I allow my athleticism to bleed into as many different sports as possible? I, look, I, I'm a, I'm a uh, you are a, an athlete. Obviously, you played two sports in high school and college. I probably yeah. should have wrestled. I think that's one of my bigger regrets. Yeah, you probably should have. I think you could have been pretty good at that, actually. I just well, you did it in middle school, didn't you? Yeah, and the thing mm-hmm. was, middle school is a lot easier. You have one minute sure. period. When you get to high school, mm-hmm. you got two minute periods. So the match is essentially doubling in itself. And you know, this person will never hear this, but the guy that was a wrestling coach was also my football coach, and I could only do so much amount of time with that said person. When football season That's was fair. over, That's I didn't want, I didn't want to be sucked up in that. That's fair. I believe me, I had to work for him. So uh, that's that's a fair statement on your part. Um, but like my my son, as I've talked many times about on this show, is a three sport varsity athlete at the third largest high school in Indiana. You know, is he elite? He's getting there. You know what I mean? But like, I cannot see a world where he's only doing one sport. Mm-hmm. Right. I just, I don't, I don't see that being a thing. You should be doing stuff all the time, you know? So he's playing, you know, he's got a chance of being a captain on the soccer team in the fall, obviously going to go in college and be a kicker for the football team. And he's been to state and track just ran 21 miles an hour today at speed training. Like why would you not do as absolute much as you possibly can do so that you're busy and you're, because I, I can tell you this also from being a coach, these college coaches ask about your stats in other sports. They they want to know how your athleticism translates from one sport to the next. And I mean, listen, there's a the reason time. why Lane Kiffin and Marcus, did you see this? Marcus Freeman and Lane Kiffin were in the same gym watching Deuce Knight play basketball the yes, other night. Right. There's a reason why. Right. There's a reason why. Absolutely. Yep. No doubt about it. So being a multi-sport athlete, especially in high school, is absolutely critical. Don't don't pigeonhole yourself. Don't be that guy. Unless you're just <laughs> have no talent. <laughs> but yeah, I, I guess that's one thing if, if you don't have you know. the talent. But like if you right. have the talent, and, and, and that's the thing is if you have the talent to do all these things, it is more impressive to be a multi-sport athlete. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. So, and I, I would get bored as a parent of a one-sport athlete. I'll be honest with you. Unless you live in like California or Florida where you can practice that same sport year round. Absolutely. makes a little bit more sense. But yeah, what are you doing in the wintertime when you can't go outside and throw the football or hit the tackling sled or whatever? Are you just lifting and running sprints all all day inside? Right. I I think, like you said, there is, you would just get so bored.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I, I look forward to when one season ends and the next one comes. I, know. I, I, I look forward to it. And I and fall is my favorite time of year because you got I got soccer games to go to. I got football games to go to. I got Notre Dame to, to cover, you know, all these different things. And then. When all that's over, it comes to a screeching halt. It's like, okay, well, time to get ready for track season, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. So I don't know what I'm going to do when my kid's no longer doing sports, at least, you know, at the high school level. I'm going to be searching for stuff. Right. It's going to be rough. Good thing you got a bunch of kids coming up through. Yeah, they're going to be doing something, but it probably won't be <laughs> sports at a high level. No, does this, does this, to me, this makes me more excited for Drake Bowen, honestly, because. Well, and I'm curious about Drake Bowen because he's looking to be in the starting middle linebacker at Notre Dame. So right. what does that what does that mean? It also looks like the central figure amongst the baseball team. Yeah, right. So I, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting because football is his number one. It has to be because he's a scholarship athlete for football. So what does that look like with baseball? Well, Vince, I'll, I'll be honest with you too. It's even especially harder right now. Because you're learning the system of both mm-hmm. of these, uh, of both the Notre Dame football, you know, Al Golden's defense and, you know, whatever the baseball team is requiring them as well. And that's, that's the hardest part is because if you start missing this time as a football player, it is a very central development phase for younger players of understanding the playbook, understanding alignment, you know, the yeah. smaller things that you don't really think about as you're kind of losing time going off and playing baseball. And I'm not saying that this is a bad thing or a negative thing. Sure. I just think it's something to think about, right? Like you lose some of that developmental time when you're off doing the other. And, you know, I know Jeff Samarja was able to do it, but He's Jeff Samarja had it, right. He he was only needed every fifth day, every fourth right. day, right? right? And so it, it was a little bit easier for him to bounce around and, right. you know, hey, I got to go throw a bullpen today. Okay, well, you know, and and – for pitchers when they're not pitching it's a lot of cardio well what do you right. think football practice is as a wide receiver exactly a ton of cardio right it worked out really really well right it's not going to be as smooth no. for drake bowen so i'm interested no. to see how that goes but that i guess what i'm getting at is him being a multi-sport athlete is what heightens my expectations for him because i think he's going to be a stud in both sports yeah i'm, I'm very interested to see that as well because if you remember, Jeff Samarja could have been a major league center fielder if he played baseball full time and didn't right. play football. But he couldn't do both. He couldn't be a field player in baseball and a wide receiver for the football team. That just wasn't a possibility. It just wasn't going to work, right? And so he had to be a pitcher. He had to be a pitcher who ended up getting drafted and having a hell of a major league baseball career, obviously, 
but he was a he was a an athlete in center field man when he was in high school i mean he was a stud and yeah. could have easily been a center fielder in the big east easily reminds me too of pat connington you know a guy that right. got drafted right. as an mlb pitcher told the baltimore orioles hey i don't want to pitch yet i want to come back for my senior season of basketball then what happens? He goes on to be drafted, and yeah. now he's you know a bench. It comes off the bench for the the Milwaukee Bucks just about every night, and has won a an NBA championship. So right, right. I just think it's awesome. I I, I when when you know, uh, and hopefully I'm fortunate to to have kids. That would be my ultimate goal: is play as many sports as possible. Absolutely, don't hamstring them as much as you possibly can. Especially but... anything that involves running, because if you are right. an elite runner and you have that yep. speed, that 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 translates to every sport. Not wrong. Speed equals power, and power equals force. I agree. That's a nice equation. <laughs> All right. A few more questions here. It is blank that Colorado has self-reported 11 violations to the NCAA. Um, I don't know where to go with this one because am I surprised that Colorado has 11 violations? No. Am I surprised that they've self-reported them? Honestly, yeah, I am a little bit surprised, right? But I guess what I want to know is, one, what is the severity of these violations? They're all right? minor. They're all okay. minor. And they're all ridiculous. They're like taking a picture with a recruit when it was non-contact time. Uh, you know, having guys on campus at a camp who are were potentially going to be in the transfer portal but weren't yet. You know, uh, you know, stuff like that. Like, so to me, I think the best stuff. word to describe it would be very procedural. <clears throat> yes, agree. Because I, I think Dion doesn't want to end up. I mean, let's be honest. We saw what happened to Jim Harbaugh, right? Yeah. As, as many as, I, I think that the coaching world might be on edge because Jim Harbaugh was potentially, and, and again, I don't know Jim Harbaugh's intentions, but. There is potential that he was just doing stuff, not knowing that he was violating, right? And so if you can get ahead of it and not have to sit out, because what's a bigger headline? Deion Sanders reports 11 violations or Deion Sanders is suspended for two games because of 11 violations, right? Sure. And so if you can get ahead of it, yeah, it's a headline now, but it's an even bigger headline down the road if you get suspended and you got to sit out games, right? And then everyone's coming down on Deion Sanders about this and that and Oh, I told you so, and blah blah blah. So I think it's very procedural of Colorado yeah. to self-report these. Yeah, and like I said, it was dumb stuff. And I, a couple of the other ones were like, uh, you know, posting certain videos of certain things at inopportune times, and then they were taken down because they found out that they were bad and or you know against the rules or whatever. I mean, so they were all stupid little things. But of course, it's a headline because it's Colorado, and it's always going to be a headline because it's Colorado. That. There was a, a graphic that I just saw on Twitter where somebody put out uh, college football defensive tiers. Tier four under much improved. They've got Colorado, <laughs> USC, and LSU. You want to talk about clickbait, ladies and gentlemen. There you have it in a nutshell. Okay. So I thought that was very interesting. By the way, Notre Dame was in tier two, which is solid quote unquote which is interesting but anyway. how many teams are were in each tier Vince uh let's see here they had three teams in tier one Ohio State Iowa and Georgia it was dominant 
Tier two is, oh, I'm sorry. Tier two is stout. It has Texas, Michigan, Clemson, uh, Penn State. Uh, let's see here. Oregon, Utah, Notre Dame, and Florida State. Okay. Tier three is solid. That's Nebraska, uh, Missouri, Ole Miss, Miami, Virginia Tech, Wisconsin, Texas A&M, and Alabama. Okay. So, so it sounds like they kind of just went through the top 25 and were like, let's yeah. pull these teams out defensively, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but absolutely. I mean, I, I would say I would feel comfortable saying that Georgia and Michigan have better defenses than Notre Dame this past season. Um, I'd probably draw the line at Ohio State. Yeah. I think Ohio State was improved, but I'm I'm more impressed with what Notre Dame's secondary did compared to Ohio State's. And, I mean, let's be honest, Michigan's offense, while it while Michigan won a national championship, it wasn't because of this high-powered offense that they uh, had. No. It was because they had a great defense and they controlled the ball and didn't turn the ball over on offense, right? And so I guess what I'm getting at is I don't think Big Ten offenses are as potent as what they might get hyped up to be. <laughs> yeah. And so I respect Notre Dame's body of work defensively right. more than I respect Ohio State's body of work. Agreed. All right. <clears throat> Let's see here. Fair or foul that Luka Doncic had a Suns fan removed from the game <laughs> for yelling at him that he was slow and needed to get on a treadmill. Apparently that gets you tossed. <laughs> uh, it's funny, Vince. I watched this game live last night. Did you really? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did. And I just thought it was it was hilarious. And I, and I think it's funny. I, I think it's a... It's one of those insecurities that you see some of these these white foreign players have, like uh, you know Doncic, Jokic. I, I think they get criticized a lot for their natural kind of lack of speed, right? They're, they're more kind of finesse players rather than you know, uh, like, like I said, a, a speed or agility type player. But it's incredibly soft. Like I get it when when. And, and I think what ultimately is the, the biggest disgrace to me is, one, you got to be tougher than that, right? Like, I right. guarantee that he's yes. been yelled much worse things, right? Oh, I yeah. think the bigger issue is they blew a 20-point lead and ended up losing by, like, 20 or 30 points, Oof. right? And Ouch. so that's 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 the main issue of what was going on. And, again, it's it's it takes away from situations – when fans actually need to be removed from games, when they're saying inappropriate things about, you know, uh, maybe a player's family or just whatever it might be. I think you have to reserve getting a fan ejected for situations like that. Not just him saying, Oh, you suck or Hey, you're slow or, you know, those sort of things. And so I think Mm -hmm. that Luka Doncic is ultimately doing a disservice to the NBA by being incredibly soft in this situation. Yep, incredibly soft. It's uh, it's totally foul. Like, come on, dude. Really? Are you upset he told you to get on a treadmill? Like, that's I would look at the guy and be like, come up with something better. I I would actually challenge that's what him I mean. to insult me more. <laughs> that's all like, you got? Yeah. That was pathetic. That's a pathetic thing to even get in trouble for. I I, I was very disappointed. Listen, Vince. Listen, Vince. <clears throat> I my favorite time in high school outside of playing under Friday, the Friday night lights is when the season ended, a ton of my teammates were on the basketball team. Okay. And when I was in high school, we made it a point 
of trying to have the best student section in the city and, for, and for basketball and it for was. basketball and it was and we, and we thought that the the team fed off of it we would bring the energy it was just a ton of fun right because also I by could, the PA announcer yes yes I forgot about that and so you know when you couldn't attend the Friday night ga- night games that all the other friends went to the basketball games was like our fun thing to do as the football yes. players right and I'm just telling you now that the amount of crude things that I said <laughs> to high school basketball players was much worse than this fan yelling at Luka Doncic to get on the treadmill. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I will not further indict myself any further, but You're not wrong. I, I said way worse things than telling a guy that he needs to get on the treadmill. I'm sure you did. And you guys did a good job of doing your research too on some of those guys. Just, <laughs> just going to put it out there. Just going to put it out there. You guys were across the court from me. But I knew what you was going here. on. I knew what was going on. Don't worry. <laughs> that was, those are for good times. I, 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 those are good times for sure. All right, last one. NFL Conference Championships of this weekend. We got Chiefs Ravens in the AFC. We got Lions 49ers in the NFC. Is there a game that you're looking more forward to between the two? And then who wins? Yeah, I, I think both of these are tremendous matchups, to be quite honest with you, for different reasons. The the, the Chiefs and the Ravens, you got, you know, Patrick Mahomes, guys just on a burner of MVPs, Super Bowls, you know, whatever it might be. And then you got Lamar, who is probably going to win his second MVP this year. Right. His biggest knock is the playoffs. Hasn't won sure. the big one, hasn't gone the whole way. I think the Chiefs offense is not as good as it it, it usually is. Sure. Um, I think they're relying more on their defense, which is kind of surprising. Um, and then you look at the Ravens, and I think that Lamar is tremendous on offense. He's able to make plays when nothing is there. Um, but to me, the Ravens, they just their defense is so good. I right. think that they might be the best defense in the league. And so I'm interested to see, you know, how these two teams match up of one of the better offenses against one of the better defenses. And then you kind of flip it. The Ravens offense is still good, and the Chiefs defense is still good. So I think it's a very equally matched game. And you flip over the 49ers and the Lions. I love the Lions because of what they've done. I love Dan Campbell. I love the culture that he's created. I love that they're on this run. Um, and I, I don't know if I, I – I, I really wouldn't call it a Cinderella story. Um, and I don't think it's a David versus Goliath type situation. I think if the Lions can show up and play how they're supposed to, that this can be a very close game. And I want to see – I want to see some teams in the Super Bowl that we haven't gotten the chance to see in a while. So if it was a Lions and Ravens Super Bowl, yeah. I think that'd be great, right? Um, so overall, I think I'm more so rooting for – or sorry, I have more interest in the Ravens and Chiefs just because I – like those are just – it feels like two just juggernauts going head-to-head, right? Um, and, and in the 49ers and Lions, I, while it's still a great game, I just don't know if the Lions are there yet fully. I think they have a lot of holes on their defense and Kyle Shanahan is a brilliant offensive guy. And so I don't know if they'll be able to last. I know I'm getting long winded, but I got, I, there's just something telling me that Mahomes, he he just wins. And so I got to go with the chiefs on the one side and I'm going to go with the lions on the other. I think you're going to get a rematch of week one in the NFL chiefs and lions in the super bowl. All right, so everything you said, spot on. I think the I think you're going to see better football played 
in Kansas City and yes. Baltimore. I think it's going to be a better actual football game, okay? But I think the Lions 49ers game is going to be more exciting. Does that make yes. sense? Like yes. that's that's how I feel about this weekend. And look, Mahomes never goes on the road in the playoffs. And he somehow managed to find a way to win this last week. I don't know if he can do it two weeks in a row. So I'm saying Ravens win that game. And I would be excommunicated from my family <laughs> if I wasn't rooting for the Lions. So I will continue to root oh, for the Lions. Man. And I'm thinking, I'm hoping Ravens-Lions. I think that could be a fun Super Bowl. A lot of fun. So that's what I'm going with. You know, what What the key factor in that 49ers and Lions game is, is Debo Samuel. Yes. Debo, De Debo yeah. Samuel does not play. The Lions chances jump significantly because that offense has revolved around Debo Samuel creating space. Even when he's not catching the ball, he's creating space for Kittle, Ayuk, yeah. Christian McCaffrey, etc. And so if he's out, I think the set, the focal point of that offense becomes Christian McCaffrey. And if I'm the Lions, if we can shut down Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel is being and Debo Samuel is out. And you got to make Brock Purdy really make quarterback throws, not system throws, but quarterback throws. You stand a good chance. Yeah, I love it. I love it. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Ibanation Sports Talk. Make sure you hit the like button, the subscribe button, hit that notification bell, give us a five star review, all those fun and exciting things that y'all do when y'all do it. Uh, really appreciate it. We'll be back Monday. And, of course, we'll be talking about the championship games that we just discussed and uh, anything going on Notre Dame-wise, which there always seems to be some sort of news and notes. And so I'm sure we're going to come come with something at that point. So we just have to tune in and figure out what. Yeah, we're just going to have to figure it out. So hopefully my voice will be able to uh, heal up over the next few days. Fingers crossed. All right. So, uh, but in the meantime, everybody have a wonderful rest of your weekend. So tune in to uh, Notre Dame and Syracuse. That's right. We're going to flip it over. Uh, I've got it up right here. Notre Dame currently down by two. Down by two. And this is the first ranked opponent that's come to Purcell Pavilion in quite a while, too. So Notre Dame's on a little bit of a drought. Zero field goals the last two and a half minutes. So go ahead and check it out. Turn down your volume. Turn up Sean Styers. You won't regret it. I promise you. So for Jesse, I'm Vince. We'll talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Thank mm -hmm. you.